Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. It is April 25th, Monday night, and the Brooklyn Nets season is over. The Nets have been swept by the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum had 29 points for the Celtics in their clinching win. They move on. The Nets, on the other hand, offseason begins. And I'll tell you this, Nick. I don't know if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are enough as the top two guys with, with you know, I, I guess this year they had the wrong pieces around them, but those two guys were not enough to carry the Nets over the hump of beating a cohesive, very well put together by Brad Stevens, Boston Celtics team. I know I'm speaking like a robot right now. Obviously, I have emotions, but I got to say all this stuff because we have to rationalize what just happened. This Nets team was not built to beat the Celtics team at the end of the day. I think we can all understand that. I'll digress. What do you think about this loss and the sweep in general? We probably could have won if we had Ben Simmons. Okay. We were missing, I mean, we were missing size. We were missing uh, distribution. We were missing defense. So, yeah, this team wasn't built to beat the Boston Celtics. That's why we have another all-star borderline superstar in our team, but he's a fucking loser. So every single person in America who was like on the fence about Ben Simmons, who was really trying to give him the benefit, the benefit of the doubt, who was like, Oh, you know what? Maybe this is like something serious. Maybe his back does hurt. Everyone turned on him after he refused to make his debut in game four he looks fine in warmups. He's been going to every game. He doesn't, not only does he not play in game four, he doesn't show up to game four to be on the bench. Yeah, to but, watch but hold team. on. Time out, time out, time out. I get the anger and frustration with Ben Simmons. Totally agree with you on that. For me personally, I pretended he has not existed on this basketball team because he hasn't played a second with the but, Nets. But they told us he was going to come back in February, March, and April, game three, then game four. I, I know, but how could you depend on a guy who you you're haven't seen play basketball all in a year? Yes, but come. that's what, that's what you're saying. You're remember. saying we kind of depended on it. That's all your point. Remember, all we're going to remember from these 2022 playoffs are that Ben Simmons refused to play all season and be a factor on this team, and that Blake Griffin was the only shining light in all four games of this NBA playoff series against well, the Boston Celtics that we lost. Okay, fine. Simmons deserves some blame. I get it. Can we talk about Steve Nash and how bad he was in this series and how Ime Udoka exposed him and made him look horrible at coaching? He went with a strict two-center rotation for two and a half games. Andre Drummond would start was very ineffective, never got into a rhythm, just wasn't right for this series. He's not mobile like Horford, Tice, and, and Daniel Tice are. And then you had Nick Claxton coming off the bench, who's good, but he's also limited offensively. You had a player in Blake Griffin, who's played with this team before, who has some sort of chemistry with Kyrie and KD, and you did not play him. You saved him for five minutes in game three, and then I, I don't know, maybe he played like 15, 20 minutes in game four. Uh, you, you had him at the end, but... You made no adjustments this entire series. 
the Celtics defended Kevin Durant for three games very well. Kyrie Irving was a non-factor from games two to four, and he deserves some blame too because he was bad after game one. Everyone was bad except for Blake Griffin. That's what I'm saying. And Seth Curry this game. But I can't even – listen, as much as Seth Seth Curry is an amazing shooter, the most efficient shooter on the team, has an unbelievable stroke and stepped up. I think he had 23 in this game. Dude, he is such a defensive liability, and I don't know if that's because of his ankle soreness, his height, a combination. He is a step slow. Dude, the most frustrating thing about this game is wasn't even that our offense was that bad. It was that throughout the series, I was never confident that we can get a stop, ever. When Jalen drives, when Tatum drives, when Marcus Smart drives, when Derek White drives, they're not only either getting fouled, getting a second chance opportunity, or having a wide open layup. With fucking 25 seconds left in this game, when we were down uh, one point, Jalen Brown lost the ball near the baseline. Then as soon as he lost the ball, Durant just stopped playing defense. And he just had a wide open layup to go up three with 25 seconds left. There's so many fingers to be pointed. Yes, I don't think Nash made any productive adjustments i don't think our bench player stepped up i don't think we had any any defensive uh uh, coerciveness throughout cohesiveness throughout the entire series but like it's everything dude it's it's almost like we need to hit a full reset button besides Kyrie, kd and simmons i don't even know what the like bruce brown i guess played played pretty well in the playoffs like what else is there to look forward to nick claxton has never even sniffed a free throw before shoots 58 percent and then shoots 15 percent like everything was bad everything First of all, I know you didn't want to do this. I appreciate you coming on and, and venting out your frustrations. Doesn't this feel slightly good to do? No, it doesn't. I want to go eat like a disgusting sandwich and then like watch How I Met Your Mother and pretend that life's beautiful. I uh, told myself I wouldn't drink tonight, but this Bud Light is for what could have been. This is for uh, the Brooklyn Nets team that we deserve, not the one we got. This is for you guys. I, d- I took a shot of Jaeger actually. Um, and it was disgusting. Jaeger's not bad. I like Jaeger. It's fine if it's cold. Um, um, yeah, I want to go through the box score quick. So whenever you – I mean, you want me to do it? I got it pulled up. Sure. I mean, I could tell you everything that happened in this stupid game. So Tatum had 29, as I mentioned, for the Celtics, 9 of 16 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. Jalen Brown had 22 points, 8 rebounds. Him and Marcus Smart, and Smart had 20 points and 11 assists. Two plays in the fourth quarter where they both lost the ball – and because the Nets just have no eye for getting loose balls, Smart and Brown got the ball back and finished with a wide-open layup. It was bizarre. It was like the Celtics were just a step ahead of us this entire series. Um, going to the Nets side, oh, you had Grant Williams with 14 points off the bench. He hit four threes in this one. Um, Kevin Durant, nice bounce-back game. He was abysmal in game three. He had 39 in this one, 13 to 31 from the field. He was three of three of 11 from three-point range and a few turnovers. Did have nine assists, seven rebounds. Seth Curry finished with 23 points. You mentioned five of nine from three. Kyrie Irvin, 20 points. Lackluster, 20 points. Ky- Kyrie was barely existent in this game, made no wow plays on offense, didn't do much on defense. He just sort of showed up, and I think this was – not not a game that he was into. I think a lot of people are saying, and, and I can see it, I think Kyrie Irving did not want to be there tonight. I think he quit on the Nets a little bit. I actually don't see that. I wasn't getting that vibe. Do I think he was off? Yes. Do I think his, his defense was bad and his offense was bad? Yes. But he was trying to create for himself. I didn't see like a lack of heart. I mean, I would say I saw a lack of heart and determination from the entire team. Was that from, honestly, I saw that more in KD. 
KD did not hustle back on one defensive play. I saw it with like 20, 30 seconds left when they had those two fast breaks, one with Marcus Smart where he got fouled, and then at the end there that we were able to get that foul with like eight seconds left before they scored. Kevin Durant wasn't even running back after he missed a three. So like, I I wouldn't single-handedly point out Kyrie. No, I disagree with that. Okay, Uh, I could point to a few plays in the series. He had two take fouls, I think, in back-to-back games where the Celtics were in the bonus. A true superstar shouldn't do things like that. In this game, there was a moment. Bonehead moves. I don't think he's trying to fuck the team over. In this in this game, there were a lot of moments where he helped on defense. He left his guy wide open. I just I don't know. I didn't think he had it tonight. We all know what Kyrie Irving's capable of. His over under for the series is like 27, 28 points a game. He had twenty in this one, and and he had a few measly buckets in the fourth quarter that didn't really matter. So it's more so too that like not one person on our team besides Blake Griffin even remotely attempts to take a charge. There's plays where Jalen and Jay, listen, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, both phenomenal. I think Jalen Brown to me is just like the perfect player and teammate. Jason Tatum's obviously just an unbelievable offensive juggernaut and impressed me on defense guarding Durant. Very disciplined, but like they drive out of control a lot. They're two young guys. They're two super athletic guys. They're dunkers. They are, they, jump off the ground five feet before they're even close to the hoop. And Seth Curry, I know he's a little bit hurt. He never steps in front. Kyrie never steps in front. Bruce Brown, for being a lockdown defender, does not sacrifice his body, neither does Dragic. I think I saw one time, uh, was it, I might have been Dragic try to take a charge. It was a bad attempt. He might have been the only other one besides Blake Griffin that is just like body to the floor, banging with these guys, putting himself out there. I hate Marcus Smart. But he does that every time. All right. So I'm going to say say one of two things. You're absolutely right. The Nets don't do the little things. The Nets have these big wow moments on offense. Kevin Durant, pull up three. Kevin Durant, mid-range. And then you see the next play, the Celtics are pushing the ball. And Jalen Brown's getting a wide open jumper in the lane, plus the foul. Or Marcus Smart's driving to the basket. Tatum's hitting a three. It wasn't even like they answered every punch we had. They would punch us back and give us like four more punches. We just, we don't do the little things. And I'll say this, you talk about our our defensive inefficiencies. We don't have a true wing on this team. All our guards are six foot to six foot four combo guards. We, and then you have Kevin Durant and then you have four centers. And I'm sorry, but Kessler Edwards, was never going to be a factor in this series. He just wasn't. He's a rookie. He's a second-round pick. Was not ready for this series. So what I'm trying to say is, look at the Celtics. Marcus Smart is 6'4". He's their point guard. Jalen Brown, 6'6", 6'7". Um, Jason Tatum, 6'8", 6'9". Like, these guys are gigantic. We don't have guys like that. So, yeah, when you see Tatum or Brown go to the lane and they hit the layup with ease, it's because our center's preoccupied with someone right Nick Claxton maybe is is guarding Horford or Tice or something but Brown and Tatum are going to take Seth Curry Patty Mills and Goran Dragic to the and Kyrie Irving to the woodshed every single time and that's what we saw this entire series and then on the flip side the Celtics big men all they did was out rebound us because they have Horford and Tice and Williams. These guys were banging down low. We put in Claxton, we put in Drummond, but that's all we got. We did not want to play Blake Griffin. So if they got three guys, that Grant Williams, they're putting in four guys against us. Like, it's amazing how much better Ime Udoka coached in this series than Steve Nash did. Just, it perplexes me. But everything, man, no wing guys. I just never got into a rhythm. Every time we got a, we got a bucket, we would let two or three up. 
just a terrible, terrible series by Brooklyn. Bad offensive team, bad defensive team. I'm a Knicks fan now. I just want to formally say on Fireside. You're not a Knicks fan. You're not a Knicks fan. I'm a Knicks fan. It's New York. You know why why you don't do that? Because forget about all the expectations, everything. We went farther than this year, and no one is happier with the Nets' demise than Knicks fans. In fact, we gave them something to watch in the playoffs because every Knicks fan was glued to every Nets fan, Nets game, hoping they'd lose. And I'll tell you this, that's progress. Back in the day, I don't think Knicks fans gave a shit about the D'Angelo Russell Nets teams. I don't think they were they were watching to root for them to lose. Okay, we two years in a row, we've underwhelmed and, and we've tried to build the wrong way. And I think and I hope and I pray that Sean Marks and Joe Sy get together and they come to the realization that we can't just put KD and Kyrie with a bunch of random guys. We have to actually build a team and we have to build a roster that makes sense. And until those two guys get together and have that conversation, the Nets are screwed. Listen, I'm obviously kidding. I'm not going to be a Knicks fan, but it's not just, I'm not one of those fans or one of those, uh, I don't follow a team. And if they don't perform well, I, um, I don't like them anymore. That has nothing to do. I don't care that KD was off. I don't care that Kyrie was off. What I care about is us playing undisciplined, us not making adjustments, us not not playing smart, but most importantly, not having any heart or just like thirst and hunger to win, not getting emotional, not pushing each other, not yelling at each other. That's the one thing. I hate the Celtics more than like pretty much any other sports franchise in the world. I hate the Celtics. Okay. The only like organization you could say I hate more than the Celtics is like the Nazis. It goes Nazis, then Celtics. Okay. So for me to, to say that the Celtics we're just so much better than us in every aspect of basketball. But most importantly, when it comes to just being a team and hyping each other up and believing in each other and, and sitting each other down, there's a play where Marcus Smart come, Tice down for a second. Grant Williams is nobody out of Tennessee. He's, not, he's an average player. Hitting every three because his team gives him the confidence and creates open shots for him to hit those. Everything they do right, we do wrong, okay? We don't give the ball to Curry enough until this game. We don't give the ball to Patty Mills enough. He shot a couple times. He's a little off in the second half. They're creating the Celtics. They are so selfless. Everyone makes a second pass. And all I see is KD shooting with three people on him. Kyrie shooting with two people on him. It's just not smart basketball. It's not team first basketball. And you're never going to win like that. So as much as I hate the Celtics, and I'll talk shit about the Celtics, I, I, I will be so upset if the Celtics win the finals this year. I want any other team but the Celtics. I have to tip my cap, and I have to respect they did everything that a basketball team should do, both skill-wise, chemistry-wise, attitude-wise. It was just good, and that's what made it even more frustrating to lose to them. It was just smart, well-disciplined basketball, and we were so far the opposite from that, and it was obvious. So let's have a conversation, right? We're having a conversation right now. I'm going to get into more of the psychology of it, but – What are you, a psychologist? I I – Almost was actually. I was going to minor in that, but then I minored in Judaic studies at UMass Amherst, where I befriended a bunch of butt-faced Celtics fans. Um, yeah, I just called you guys butt-faced. Deal with it, city of Boston. Um, I'll tell you this. This is kind of a two-part question. Part one: Do you think the Nets have a bad culture? Absolutely. Why? I think that KD's been calling the shots. He wants to keep Nash around. Nash does not know how to – everyone always goes, there's two parts to coaching, right? There's like schemes, adjustments, and actual basketball, and then there's handling superstars. Has he done either of those, Steve Nash? No, so, he hasn't. Has, has 
KD, Kyrie, have they came out and, and said to the team and, and, and huddled the team together and, and told, like, you know, brought those young guys, hyped them, us, told, hyped them up, told them everything was going to be okay. I don't see leadership from KD or Kyrie. I see KD. I, I see it. I see it more from KD. I see it more from a KD. A little bit. A little bit. But look at the Celtics team again. And that's what Ime Adoku said when they came back from the All-Star game. And they, uh, he, he said what credited their turnaround was that R.J. Barrett buzzer beater at MSG that I was actually at that game where the Knicks beat them. And he said, we don't have a vocal leader on this team. And then after the All-Star break, they went on that like record-setting, unbelievable, like 26-2, like 26-4, I don't know, finish to the season. And Marcus Smart became a vocal leader. Jason Tatum became a vocal leader. And all these guys stepped up because their team needed them to. We haven't had that. And you can just tell on the court, man, like even KD misses, sure. You could say KD's somewhat of a leader. Even when he misses his he body, is a leader. his body language is terrible. He, he didn't have the best series. He no, and, and again, I don't care if he doesn't if he doesn't shoot well. Of course, I wanted to shoot well, but I'll never fault a player for being well, off. We, we 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 got off topic. So I, I understand yes, the your culture is bad. About, okay. So here's my point. The Nets are basically gonna have a new roster next year. They're going to have uh, – we got people chirping in our mentions, by the way. Island Hub says, LOL, great contribution to the conversation. And then Big Task at Hand wrote, where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? LOL, bunch <laughs> of clown faces. And uh, I, like I, the house, even... I like the house emoji. <laughs> what's, the, what's the last one? Uh, it's like a celebrating uh, – and then it's fishing. Oh, now they're fishing yeah. in the offseason. That's fine. Oh, they're fishing in the offseason. I didn't know the Nets fish. Um, no, but here's my question. This is the follow-up to the culture question. Can the Nets build a culture with new players with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving leading the pack? Only Can they do it, that? Not with the roster they're creating because they're taking a bunch of young guys. Okay? You're not going to build a culture bringing Cam Thomas, Kessler Edwards – uh, David Duke and a bunch of these young guys into the onto the team and expecting them to like help shape the culture. What you need to do is what the Miami Heat do, right? Udonis Haslam on there. You need to do what uh, what the Suns do. PJ Tucker, Jay Crowder, Chris Paul, all these old veteran guys who are who are role players who not only bring something to the court. Minus Udonis Haslam, he's just a weird like on the roster, still not going to play coach type guy. But all these other guys not only bring an important role to the team but then they just fucking create and they calm the young guys down. And even a veteran that can calm KD down, even someone that could take Kyrie aside. So the culture starts from uh, age. It starts from experience. It starts from uh, just a better attitude all around. And I like LaMarcus Aldridge. I like Blake Griffin's attitude. I don't think Blake Griffin's attitude was uh, positively affected by him not getting playing time. So I think that was an issue, but you can just see what he brings when he comes on. He is a true professional, Blake Griffin. He is the definition of a guy who's willing to do anything for his team despite his role. Uh, What a a zero-point performance from him tonight, and I'm not being facetious. Um, How much blame do you put on one James Harden for this net season and everything that he did to them, and how much blame do you put on Kyrie Irving making the decision not to get the vaccine, being a part-time player for the majority of the season, and then eventually playing full-time, but with like four or five games left in the regular season. Well, let's confirm something. Our, our season collapse three-quarters of the way through the season came from Durant getting injured. It did, but that's not his fault. No, 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 no. But I'm saying, and that's not his fault, 
That's unlucky on our part. On, on for the Nets organization, that's unlucky for Durant. That to me was the start of our demise, more so than Harden leaving and more so than Kyrie being unvaccinated. Because in the beginning, we were crushing it. We were top of the league at one point, and Kyrie was not playing in home games. So, with that said, do I think Harden overall had a negative impact on this team's success? Absolutely. Not not more so because of what he brings basketball-wise, but because of what he did breaking us up as a culture, what he did breaking us up as a unit shipping out and bringing these new guys and that then had to adjust and take a big bulk on. And I think Curry and Drummond adapted really well to this team and both became valuable assets to this team. But what happened? Ben Simmons only brought more drama off the court than anything good. So is Harden directly uh, uh, attributing to all of this nonsense? Maybe he was the first pin to drop, right? He leaves. All this stuff happens with Ben Simmons. KD then gets hurt. Kyrie drama hope finally comes to an end. So in the midst of the chaos, you could say that Harden maybe was the first domino to fall, but I'm not going to say it because I was happy when Harden left. I was happy when Simmons, Curry, and Drummond came in. I was happy when Kyrie started playing full-time. And just look at the last six games before we got swept in this season. Everything was kind of coming together for this team. Granted, the competition wasn't as high as it was. We played a bunch of kind of low-end East teams to get into the playoffs in those playing games. So nothing crazy, but the fact of the matter is I'm not pointing a finger at Harden because we should have been able to adjust. We should have been able to bounce back. It seemed like we were on the path to bouncing back until everything crumbled again and we were fully exposed by this uh, just better all-around Boston Celtics team. But I'm more so going to put the blame on than Harden on Nash. I'm going to more so put the blame on Simmons. I'm going to more so put the blame on us as a unit not having the attitude, the determination, and any sort of fire to, to just erupt and, and end up closing out games. So – I'll say less on Harden overall. I have a quote from Steve Nash. Uh, He wants to continue to be the Nets coach is what he says. Do you think he deserves to be the Nets coach next year? Every time the Nets got within three to five points of the Celtics team, Adoka called a timeout, made an adjustment, or said something inspirational or something important or calmed his team down, and we never caught up. This is the last two games, games three and four against the Celtics. Nash does not do that. Now, I can't speak to what Nash does off the court. I can't speak to Nash in practice. I can't speak to Nash in the locker room. But there are coaches that you could visually see the impact they have on the game mid-game, in-game. They are making a direct impact. Ime Adoka does that. Tyron Lue does that. Uh, Greg Popovich does that. People who call timeouts, people who at halftime make a quick switch, change a defensive scheme. What I heard from the commentators regarding Nash's adjustments, in air quotes, was he threw everything against the wall to see what stuck. He was switching matchups throughout the game today. He threw Blake Griffin in there last game at a weird time, threw him in earlier today because he seemed to have some what of a positive impact last game. Why didn't that happen much earlier in the series? Why didn't that happen towards the end of the regular season? So... What I see from all these coaches is quick, decisive moves that have a direct impact on the game. What I see from Nash is hesitation, kind of this cloudiness of judgment, not knowing what to do that's really going to work, so trying all these different things. So with that said, I know I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here. I personally don't think Nash, and I love Steve Nash, two-time MVP, was one of my favorite players, should be the coach of the Nets. Like I said, when we hit a full reset button or a 90% reset button, whatever it is, 
there's big changes that need to be made, and it starts from the top. Here's the full quote. I've loved doing this, coaching. Loved these guys, loved my staff, really had a great working environment and want to continue doing it. I think Ben Simmons and Joe Harris will give us a good lift. I'm sorry. I don't know if adding Ben Simmons and Joe Harris makes you a championship contender. I don't know, man. That's Dude, Ben, what do you mean? Ben, I, do you dude, understand that's, that's, the impact Ben Simmons has on a basketball team? Yeah, and he Joe didn't Harris, show up. And Joe Harris would have been Seth Curry without the injury. Okay, but he still isn't efficient on defense. Fine. So was Seth Curry. Seth Curry had 3,000 the first right, four dude, minutes. My, my point is I don't think those are two quick fixes. to. First of all, it's funny that Nash is saying that. Can we acknowledge that you just lost to a Boston team that you could have beaten if you played better basketball? Forget about improving the roster. Forget about the guys that weren't there. That Nets team that we saw, if they played better basketball, they, they were in every single game. They just didn't play good basketball. So let's start there. Let's at least acknowledge – the guys that were on the court that didn't I perform. That I didn't agree. perform. I agree, but let's also, and I agree. And to further your point, I will acknowledge that the series is entirely different if we don't lose on that first game buzzer beater from Tatum yes. when the game was in our hand. And uh, they outplayed and, us in that game too. I'm going to be honest with you. They outplayed us. So I'll get your back on that. And I will say game two, we were up 17. We really, we really collapsed three and four at home, which is sad, but yes, continue. Um, And then the other thing I was, I was just going to talk about a little bit. You look at what the Celtics built in, in Boston, and I just – I don't know. Can, can the Nets build something like that with KD and Kyrie? I don't know if the, what the answer is. That's the other part of it. Um, are we going to talk about Nick Claxton's free throws a little bit? <laughs> what is there to say? I mean, I go 7 to 10 when I go to the court. How is this guy – where do you go? What was the final stat? Was it uh, 1 of 10? I think it was one of 10. He should, yeah, it was terrible. He shot 58 in the regular season too, which is not terrible for a big man. Uh, I'm going to answer my Holy King who said the officiating in the beginning of the game was terrible. Dude, I agree. That sequence where Grant Williams tripped tragic and then Tatum fell over and got the foul call was ridiculous. With that said, that was really only the first quarter. Towards the end of the game, the officiating kind of rounded out. And I will say we even got a lucky call where uh, uh, Tatum got a sixth foul because he kind of bumped into – Dragic and fell on him. That was not a foul on Tatum. So I agree that first quarter is really frustrating and it was a huge momentum swing, but I don't think we could say that that kind of set the motion for the game or that was kind of going throughout the game. It, it leveled out. Let me, let me also just say in regards to like my feel, cause I know you were emotional after this game. I've been dead inside since the game two loss. I thought after that buzzer beater win by Tatum in game one, I thought the nets would at least make a statement in game two on the road. And they were in that game. They lost it. Um, I've been so I've been a corpse since then. What the Celtics did in games three and four is they took my corpse out of the, the you know ground, peed on it, shit on it, and put it back. And that's what I am now. That's I'm true. That's a, disgusting. <laughs> well, that's uh, everyone, how I feel. Dude. I, like we probably just lost twelve listeners because no, you just, you we just didn't said lose any on your corpse. They shit on my corpse, dude. They they fucking pooped on my heart. Okay. You ever yeah, hear okay. the movie? Because you, you, you crapped on my heart. That's what the Brooklyn Nets did. I agree. And James O, you can't build anything around Kyrie's most unreliable player. Funny enough, Ben Simmons is challenging for that crown. I agree. Uh, Kyrie and you could even argue uh, Ben Simmons are like two of the most dramatic and controversial players in the league uh, just based on the past year alone with the decisions they've made, obviously. Completely different ballparks. Kyrie with a vaccination issue. Ben Simmons going through some mental challenges uh, and then some physical challenges, supposedly as well. It, but yeah, it sucks having to defend 
two incredible players uh, who, who have an unbelievable impact on the court really sucks having to defend them for all the stupid shit they do off the court. I agree. Luckily, I don't think KD is in that dramatic of a ballpark. He's kind of the thing that keeps us together, but yeah, it's frustrating. All right, Nick, we can wrap it up. I think you and I vented enough. Um, if anybody before we wrap up wants to ask us any questions, make any comments they want us to talk about, we'll, we'll stay on for another minute or two, but I'm honestly pretty depressed because uh, this is just a really shitty way to go out, especially when we're in those first two games. I went to game three at Barclays. was not a fun game to go to. It was kind of exciting in the first three quarters, similar to tonight where we just kept getting so close. Celtics would make an adjustment and creep away again, um, but it's been tough. And uh yeah, it's all I, I just I want to add a few things. Um, so and this is going to sound stupid, but it's genuine. Sometimes being a fan sucks. Actually, most times being a fan sucks because one out of every 32 teams is going to win each year. And most of the times that's not your team. And to believe to have a real chance at a championship for two years and not even get close. I can't tell you how much me and, and Nick to take love a step them. back and to take a step in the wrong direction. I can't tell you how much me and Nick love this Nets team. Since we were little kids going to games at the Meadowlands, watching Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, watching these guys, it gave us pride to be a New Jersey Nets fan. And eventually when they moved to Brooklyn, we had this tough choice to make. And as I've mentioned on this podcast, we chose to stay with the Nets. We didn't switch over to the Knicks like half the, half the Nets fans did. We stayed true to this team because we were true fans. And 10 years ago, when they got Pierce and Garnett, and we thought, ah, maybe they got something, we were really wrong. And that set us back years. We were bad after that for a good four or five years. And now, since we've gotten KD and Kyrie, a lot of people just expected us to get a championship. But I think guys like me and you who watch basketball, we know that's not how it works. So my, my whole point with this is, it sometimes sucks because you love this thing so much that we've been rooting for for 20 plus years. And we thought this was the time where they're finally going to make us, you know, satisfied at the end of the season. And lo and behold, a first round exit, not just a first round exit, a sweep to the most unlikable franchise in sports, the Boston Celtics. I actually agree with my Holy King. We could have used James Johnson over Kessler Edwards in this series. Uh, don't don't. I got I got in a fight on Twitter about that. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that. Um, uh, and I and we, I liked a uh, big task at hands joke. Big task at hand has been chirping us the whole time. He's been, but he he's said been, he's been killing. Someone it. said uh, someone said Kyrie said the Earth is flat, and big task at hand said no. I think he meant to say the Nets are flat. Which I I I, I guess you could have kept James Johnson, but I don't think that we were a James Johnson away from winning this series. Can we be real there? You no, think if we plug in but, James but Johnson, we win four things, games? Right? We were missing defense. Yeah, but, but we were James, missing a lot more. A lot James more than Johnson, James Johnson. James Johnson Stop. does nothing but defense and sides. He's the he's okay. A and the other thing, the, the other thing I'll say, and I really hope this changes. I I did not like the way the Nets uh, front office with Marks really really Nash communicated with the fan base about certain players. Nash sat up there and said James Harden wasn't going to be traded. And then he got traded. People told me, oh, he's leveraging. I didn't care. I don't like to be lied to. This whole Ben Simmons thing, and I really hope it wasn't on the Nets. I really hope it was 100% on Ben Simmons' camp because now, I don't know if you read, they're meeting. Rich Paul and Ben Simmons' team is meeting with the Nets to talk about Ben Simmons' future and where his physical and mental health is and will be. So I don't know how much is on the Nets for that whole situation. I do know that Nash sat up there and said he was expecting Ben Simmons to play. And then recently, 
He went up there before this game. He said, I was never expecting Ben Simmons to play. So which was it? What, why are you, you know, my point is you don't have to say certain things to the media because then it makes us fans feel like you think we're stupid. So I really didn't like that. I and, do think that, I do think yeah. the entire Nets organization was in the dark about Harden. Cause even KD said, he kept saying bullshit to us. He kept okay. saying he's going to stick around. But I will say with the Simmons thing, Nash is trying his best to represent Simmons. Nash even went back on the physical thing today and said about a, a few hours before the game, something about him uh, trying to clear up his mental health. So Nash okay. almost hinted it's more mental than his back issues, right? So it, it, yeah. listen, I agree. I don't like being lied to. Well, it, I- it's not just that, Nick. It's the injury reports. Because when KD was hurt, he was out for two weeks. Then he was out for another two weeks. And then he was out for – so, I mean, Joe Harris had that whole mistake. Joe Harris. We thought, yeah. So it's those types of things I'm, I'm, I'm more speaking to. But um, I will say it must have been been tough with Ben Simmons from a uh, a organizational standpoint to keep getting told he's physically fit but not mentally there. Then to maybe lie, maybe there was truth to some sort of physical injury, but then milk that injury through the playoffs. So yes, you know something. There's no way. There's no way you and I will ever know. We just won't. We'll we'll know what the reports say. The world will never know. Um, this is our last episode of the season. We are going to take a week off next week. Nick, that's right. I'm giving you a week vacation. Use it wisely. You deserved it. Um, oh, actually, I go to a concert on Monday, so I wouldn't have been able to go anyway. But cool. And, and again, I know I said this earlier. To all our listeners out there, to everybody who, who rides with us weekly on every episode, who, who listen to maybe one episode a month, we freaking appreciate you so much. And I'll tell you why. Uh, we got a shout-out on the Boomer and Geo radio show on WFAN. Um, they were shouting out the top 10 Nets podcasts. They were reading a list. I think they were being facetious and making fun of us. At the end of the day, Fireside Nets is on that list. I'm not going to say where we are because we're not number one and we should be higher than number six. So I guess I did just say where we are. But if, if you listen to our podcast, send it to a friend, have other Nets fans listen to it because we love doing this and, and we, we just love making content for you guys. And uh, it also helps with our frustrations. Cause if I didn't come on this show and, and, and record with Nick tonight, I might've did something dangerous outside. I don't know. I, I can't, well, I can't tell okay. you where I could have right. been. All right. Relax. Now we appreciate you guys. I, I, I more meant like Will Ferrell, like running around naked in old school than anything actually keep, dangerous. Uh, keep commenting, keep tagging us and shit. We obviously respond as much as we can. James O. Yeah. I understand it's difficult uh, when the best players on the team don't think they need a coach. Honestly, I felt I could have coached better tonight than Nash did. There were some adjustments I wanted to make. So Anyway, thank you guys for listening. We'll keep doing our thing. And uh, hey. I wasn't actually going to do something dangerous. No we're, one, we're all, yeah. we're all in agreement you don't, you, don't have, you don't have to keep dwelling I, on it. I don't you understand. Just, what you, you made me feel like a psycho there. No, you just keep talking about it, and it's making it worse. Okay? Nobody I, thinks you're going to I was talking about danger Russ Wilson. I also want to thank Spen for not looking like a disheveled piece of trash tonight. You look, you look pretty well kept. All right? All right Peace, one everyone. More. One Love more. Guys. One more for the season. Together? Together. Three to catch you on the fire side. side. That was the perfect harmony.